Welcome back to the Mountains in the Sea, where we find the highs and lows of each and every Prince album and much more every other week. I'm Christy. And this is Josh. And we're so glad that you're back with us today. Today, we are finally into the Diamonds and Pearls album proper. This day was never going to make. We were never <laughs> going to get here. It just wasn't going to happen. It was just going to be all lead up and we were never actually going to get to the album. But here we are. Miracles happen. That's right. Yes, Virginia, there is a Diamonds and Pearls album. <laughs> so, what is this? Episode six? I think something like five. That. I don't know. I, I don't can't remember. I can't remember. <laughs> so invested in the show that we don't even know how many shows we've done. <laughs> we just keep covering the stuff. We're not here to count the shows. We're here to make the shows and and observe and comment and appreciate the music so we're not keeping score there's no there's no winner like nobody's gonna win at the end of this thing no (laughs) (laughs) i mean everybody wins there is no winner but everybody wins because we've got to exactly there's no loser because we've gotten to listen to all this music right and it's super fun we're the temple run of (laughs) podcasts (laughs) Uh, so of course, we are talking about this because the super deluxe release of Diamonds and Pearls came out back in October, and that is the impetus for us covering this now. Being October 2023, That's we're now correct. in January 2024. Yeah, I don't think this one releases till February 2024, whatever. Whenever you're listening to this, we're recording at Hi. the end of January. We're talking to you from the past. We are talking to the future. Anyway, we're going to talk about Diamonds and Pearls as it was released. That's been the approach, is uh-huh. how it kind of unveiled itself to the world in 1991. Right. Rather than taking the Super Deluxe Edition, covering it in order of the discs that are there. Right. Which is a fine collection and all that, but anybody can do that. Yeah. Not everybody lived through Diamonds and pearls. Uh-huh. Not everyone survived. If this is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> there were victims along the way. <laughs> so it was an exciting time uh-huh. for me as That's like right. a, a teenager at the time, fully paying attention, trying to get all the information I could um, from far, far, far away from Minneapolis, Minnesota. In pre-internet days. Pre-internet days, correct. So uh, we covered all the promo stuff leading up to mm-hmm. that fateful day in October of 1991 when the long box edition of Diamonds and Pearls on CD hit the stores. That's and right. I was there on release day to pick it up. That's right. Uh, the 13th studio album released October 1st, right. 1991. I remember it being miserably hot Oh, when I went to get this album. Well, you would have been in Corpus Christi, so yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Everyone else is like, ooh, it's fall. I'm like, oh, just turn <laughs> the like, air on and let me go during my lunch break at school. You're like, I just moved here from Indiana, so this isn't fall. <laughs> Correct. I didn't know, according to Prince Vault, that it had been pushed back. It was originally scheduled uh, from late August to early September, then mid-September. Oh. I didn't really go into the reasons why that would be. Maybe because they had all this promo stuff to lead up and figured, hey, let's uh, do a proper lead up. Uh, it's the first album to be credited to Prince and the New Power Generation. The first album since 
parade in 1986 that was credited to a band as well as Prince. Yeah, Prince and so. the band. Mm-hmm. Yep, and just like with the revolution being hinted at on 1999, sure, new power generation as a concept had been hinted at. There was new power soul. There was yeah. new power generation. generation. New power soul song. that was like in the artwork for going back to Love Sexy. Right. And then the song... Oh, not just the song. Parts one and two. That's right. Split into two parts. That's right. New Power Generation, the song with uh, Graffiti Bridge, uh-huh. turned into the band name that he would stick with and use for the next yeah. 26 years. Yeah. This album didn't have vault tracks on it. They were recorded all over the world. London, Tokyo, Los Angeles, of course, Paisley Park. Yeah, it was all essentially new material created for this album, mostly with this new group of of band members that had been touring with him already. I guess it's kind of strange that, you know, he went out, tested them on tour, and then sort of, Uh now let's make an album together, okay? Or let's let's put a ring on it, (laughs) Michael B. After they've been living together on tour? Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Then he's willing to propose a... More substantial commitment. That's right. There you go. Let me welcome you into my home. <laughs> uh, it was a commercial success. Yeah. One of his biggest commercial successes, which I'm sure is why it's the, what now, third super deluxe edition treatment to a Prince album. We'll call Purple Rain Deluxe what it is, which was just a deluxe, let's get something out kind uh-huh. of release, not a super deluxe. So yeah. after 1999, Sign of the Times, and now this one, those are easily the four most commercially successful Prince albums. So that that order of release does make sense from a popularity standpoint anyway. Sure. I appreciate that we were getting some 90s era stuff in the super deluxe treatment. Agree. I don't know where it goes from here, although rumor has it that the love symbol was also done in conjunction with Diamonds and Pearls. It was supposed to be like a combined release that, of course, did not happen. So who knows what's next yeah. On deck, um, I would guess, Purple since we're Rain. in 2024 and it's the 40th anniversary of Purple Rain, that we're going to be stuck with more Purple Rain stuff mm-hmm. in the foreseeable future. Which we haven't covered no, really at all. Nary this, a mention. <laughs> I mean, we've mentioned it because how Nary. can you not mention it? But <laughs> <laughs> So looking at the little booklet with yeah. the CD this yeah. is it's so cool we have your original one that you went and bought when you were junior in high school yep uh, or senior in high school senior, senior in high school correct it's got the hologram sticker on it which is showing its age if you can get it just right you can get still all of the very nice pictures that are Like the 3D motion. Yeah. I mean, they don't last forever. I think I read they're supposed to last 50 years, something like that. So, you know, we're, we're approaching that pretty quick. We're, we're, yeah, we're beyond the, beyond the half-life of this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. The hologram is in retrograde. uh Uh-huh. It's still pretty cool though. Uh, Record Mecca Mm -hmm. had at some point, I don't know exactly when, the glass and foil prototype of the hologram for sale. Jeff Gold, who was a VP at Warner Brothers and one of the art directors for Diamonds and Pearls, sold it, and he'd done something similar. I think we've mentioned this in the past, with Suzanne Vega in 1990. But this was the first 
mass produced hologram image sticker ever. Pretty sweet. I mean, super cool. So there's credit to a couple people in in the back of the booklet for the hologram photo. One of them is Susan McCormick. Okay. Send you a link. There is a really cool YouTube video from 1991 that's a story about her, and it includes a small snippet about the Diamonds and Pearls album cover and creating it and her working with Prince. Oh, that's That cool. type of thing that's pretty cool. And, yeah, the photo session lasted like four hours or something. Yeah, because it's yeah. super slow motion. You uh-huh. have to hold very still but also move, move a little, a little bit. bit. Uh-huh. So it's very right. tricky. Yeah. Process. Yeah. It was like 180 degrees. Like you're sitting there and it moves around you over the course of four hours and you have to stay real still, but also, yeah, that he closes his eyes. Yeah. Yeah. There's like like a long form blink involved. Uh It's pretty cool. There's a very nice little message. Yeah. Yeah. Message Prologue. Uh huh. I hope Diamond and Pearl find you in good spirits. It's very like sweet and funny. And then he like mentions everybody just listen to Rosie sing and try not to seize so many chills. You might catch cold. Mm -hmm. Tommy Barbarella on the purple axe. Go Tommy while you live for love mentions Damon and Kirk and Tony M and Michael B and Sonny T. And it's very like, fun a nice yeah. kind of way to acknowledge yeah you could tell it was something he was people. proud of also yeah. proud to release it the purple axe being is it not tm yeah, it is also? tm it's, yes it's his yeah. patent yes yeah. two x's and axe yeah yeah it's very fun and then there's uh, some thanks at the back of the book mm-hmm. and i thought they were kind of interesting okay so there's earnest thanks for the npg the steels his sort of half-brother, Dwayne, mm-hmm. Diamond and Pearl, members of the band, stuff like that. When you said Ernest, I was like, who is Ernest? Uh, yeah. but you mean like heartfelt? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> is Bert mentioned too, uh-huh. along with Ernest? <laughs> okay. And then there's some that kind of remind you that this is really quite close to Graffiti Bridge, even though it feels so very different. It's radically different, but yeah. Uh-huh. So Robin Power, Mavis yep. Staples, mm-hmm. Elisa Fiorillo, who yep. we hear on here a little bit, but yes. not a not a ton. But that was she was much more a little earlier and then later. And then there are some that are kind of pointed. Okay. I think. Faith in music, insomnia, uh, voyeurism, Sinead O'Connor. Oh, yeah. Although I mean, I think at one point. He was appreciative of her taking the song to, I think he was quoted as saying, you know, we did everything we could with it. She took it and did something else. And uh-huh. So appreciated it from an artistic standpoint. I think that was before their oh. you know, personal meetup that okay. didn't exactly go too well. <laughs> um, and then there's some that are kind of silly. He thanks Randy St. Nicholas, mm-hmm. but her name is spelled backwards. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, it's all in all caps and backwards. Okay. And then he thanks Daddy Pop. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. The, like motivation, the I guess. Yes. Yeah. The woman who invented the kiss and Publisson, uh, who was a French audio equipment manufacturer. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. So I was like, what is that? What is that? Who is that? No, Very fun. No, what is that? Not who is that? So I thought it was enjoyable. Yeah. It's a good little booklet. Mm-hmm. Um, they definitely lyrics. put all of the money on the outer. Yeah. 
uh, Which sleeve is- and the inside is all black and white. Uh-huh. They did a good job with the black and white. It doesn't feel cold. But maybe because of the way the they took the picture with all the pearls. Yeah, it's like a soft focus kind of yeah. background there. Yeah, Again, it's kind of blurred. The and, album is called Diamonds and Pearls, but and there's, there's <laughs> not a single photo of a diamond anywhere. No. I did read on Genius.com. They have annotations for lyrics of anything uh-huh. you look up there and for the yeah, ti- for the yeah, yeah. title track uh-huh. the annotation for diamonds and pearls was prince uses diamond one of the hardest natural occurring minerals on earth as a euphemism for another naturally occur- occurring hard object <laughs> pearl is also a mineral produced within the soft tissue of the shell of a mollusk so prince uses it as a substitute for you know <laughs> so I think maybe like from a thematic standpoint, that sure. might be true. You know, these two beautiful women, one is, you know, tough uh-huh. and one is soft and there's well, pointy and soft things, but the song itself is much more innocent. <laughs> pointy and soft things. That's right. I don't know. You're the one that put the clean rating for this podcast. <laughs> oh, it just means that we don't curse. We don't use yeah. the... Foul language does not necessarily mean that our subject matter is clean and it doesn't have to be, but it's the language that the re let me tell you, there's a couple of reasons why I did this, that I have enforced this. And part of it is because that is the way Prince spent most of the second half of his career Yeah, was, yeah. It was a thing that he didn't do, even though, you know, we've had qualms about that, you know, where he just leaves the word out and you fill it in yourself. Sure. I'm still thinking the word, let's grow up and just say it. Yeah. But also there are certain places in the world where people might want to listen to this podcast that if it does not have a clean rating, which specifically okay. means language yeah. Yeah. and certain words. Okay not necessarily topics, but yeah. that it it won't be distributed there. That's fair. And I want anybody who wants to listen to this to be able to listen it's to it. very thoughtful of you, as always. Yeah, well, you know. So when I read that, I was like, oh, well, there's like a, obviously a sexual connotation there, but there's also the preciousness of it and how unique it is. And then there's also uh, diamonds and pearls mentioned in the Bible also, which mm-hmm. of course Prince was an avid reader of mm-hmm. in Revelation One of the verses reads, and the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each one of the gates was a single pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. So certainly leave it to Prince to find the the purest and also most raunchy meaning of things (laughs) and figure out a way to make it turn into something that's really about positivity and love, but because it has these other meanings, it's intriguing. Very cool. All right. Let's dive into music because I think we both have uh, quite a lot of notes. Nah. (laughs) And we're only doing the first six songs today. Yes. We thought there are 13 songs on the album. I think we've probably said our piece about Get Off, which is song seven, smack in the middle. Uh Uh-huh. So that lets us do six songs here and six songs next next time. time. Uh Uh-huh. That's right. Which, you know, how lucky for us that that worked out right. Well, yeah, and get off a song number seven. Uh huh. Prince would be very happy about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So I thought you were going to read at the end of that little prologue, the, the lights go down and the crowd sings thunder or the s- curtains come up. How does the, la- the end of the little prologue kind of lead you right into the first song? The lights go down and the choir sings thunder. Dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So obviously that is song number one on the album. Mm-hmm. So interesting that uh, this is the only song fully credited to Prince. All instruments, all voices, all everything. So <laughs> leave it to Prince to be, this is the first time that he's included a band in the name of an album with the credits and everything. And he's got to come out with the first song that's all him and got to remind you. I can still do it all. Uh, they're here at my behest, at my allowance. Yeah. Now, I mean, counter that by saying he has put this band front and center. Uh-huh. Everyone yes. everyone gets a spotlight on this album for yes. sure. So it is not a selfish move. It's no. just, it fits the story. I guess that's <laughs> yes. the best way to, to put it, right? I agree. Yeah. Yeah. It was the final single yep. from the album, released in the UK as a 12-inch picture disc on June the 15th, 1992. Yeah. That was the first date for the UK portion of the Diamonds and Pearl- Pearls tour. Yeah, so it kind of helped mm-hmm. reinvigorate everything. I did not re- realize that Violet the Organ Grinder and Get Off the Thrust dub uh-huh. were on that picture disc yep. also, yep. along with Thunder. Yeah. Um, and can I just say, from a longtime fan and collector standpoint, that you know the CD promo and the seven-inch promo included what is now the long-sought-after Thunder DJ fade, three oh. minutes and twenty seconds. And how lucky are we that it was included finally on the Super Deluxe Edition, uh-huh. so we can spend three and a half minutes of a disc. Uh-huh. Listening to something that is no different than the album version, <laughs> just someone fades it out for you. <laughs> Most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. Anyway, continue. Okay, so the Joffrey Ballet of Chicago yep. created a show called Billboards using all the songs of Prince. I guess the Joffrey Ballet was struggling a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's been around since like 1968 or something, late 60s. And. They were struggling a little bit, so one of the things they did was start making ballets to contemporary music. And it was very successful. Prince heard about this, offered the music to them Mm royalty-free so that they could do it. And he made a version of Thunder specifically for this show. Yeah, and it is included on the Super Deluxe Edition also. Thunder Ballet, is it called? Uh, I I think it's the Ballet, or Thunder Suite. I think it's the Thunder Suite is what it's called. I'm not, I don't remember exactly. It is Thunder Ballet on one of the vault discs. Somewhat 11 minutes long. But I don't know that that's what it was called originally. originally. Okay, maybe not. This is the kind of stuff that little boys in Corpus Christi, Texas (laughs) never heard about or knew about. You weren't a little boy. You were near near a man. I don't know. I'm still I'm still <laughs> trending in that direction. We'll see. <laughs> but a really cool, like reaching out to support the uh-huh. arts. Sure. Obviously, he had an interest in Maite with dancing, mm-hmm. and had other dancers with him on tour throughout 
probably, I'd say, from here forward in his career. So well, certainly an appreciation for the art of dance, and we need to support this. And Well, and I, by accounts, this is where he really, like, came to really appreciate ballet, mm-hmm. was the Joffrey Ballet wanting mm-hmm. to use this music and him being so enamored with what he saw to create a longer version of the song. Well, this I fully support more than... Let me turn the volume. Let me turn the volume down at three minutes and twenty seconds uh, and yeah. fade a song out. So. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. Billboards. The Joffrey Ballet debuted at the end of January 1983, and it was released on home video in February of 1984. Yeah, that's around the time Prince changed his name, and they announced he was going to do more multimedia projects mm-hmm. and step away from, you know, recording music or releasing music anyway, and. Dance Things and Glam Slam Ulysses and all this other, the interactive CD, so new media type things, and this was sort of like the, the seed of that, too. Mm-hmm. So Run DMC's Run House from 1988 Ooh. had a drum that was sampled. I did not know that. You can hear it at 3 minutes and 22 seconds in Run's house. Seventeen seconds in thunder. That's really cool. Yeah, it's really cool. The Shockadelic Tribute album had a cover mm-hmm. of Thunder by The Reflex. It's very relaxed and bluesy and a duet. A duet between The Reflex and I don't know. Oh, someone else in the reflex. I, I, guess. I don't know that much about the reflex. <laughs> oh, I assume yeah. it's a male and female singer in the okay. reflex yeah. since it's a duet. Yep. It's hard not to think of the reflex and not think of like Duran Duran. <laughs> not the same okay. thing. No. This is widely believed to be a retrospective look at Prince's decision to withdraw the Black album. I didn't know that either. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That I kind of thought Love Sexy was the. Uh, well, recorded answer to that, but m- me too. And I'm like, perhaps maybe that's where some of this came from, or maybe that's what he was thinking about. But I don't know that that's the only way that you read this song. It is not. I'll tell you how I read it as we get into <laughs> it. There's no reason to spoil the fun, though. That's right. That's I. I that does sound familiar. Like I've heard that before, but it did not come to my mind as I was oh. listening to this again. So I also wanted to mention while we're still sort of up front here, so there's the remaster of the album itself. Okay. That was released. Right. And there's uh the original album. Uh-huh. And there's also the Dolby Atmos mix, the first Prince album that got the kind of spatial audio treatment. Mm-hmm. Um so I listened to all of them. Mm-hmm. It's hard for us to cover and for you to provide examples of a Dolby Atmos mix right. in a podcast. So that's there's stereo. Yeah. Um, that isn't Atmos mixed. No, and I can not. there's not a way for me to do no, that. There's no way. And there's also, I mean, while I think it's gaining speed and certainly popular among like audiophiles, you do have to have a certain level of equipment and headphones to experience it or right. speakers to experience it. Yeah. So we'll make mention of that. We did, I, I studied the remaster and the spatial audio or Dolby Atmos mix quite a bit. So I'll have some thoughts on it. Okay. Um, and we'll kind of touch on it, but this is sort of like an overarching, we're going to cover the album and maybe sort of talk about the differences on the remaster and what might be real unique about the spatial audio mix because it is a it's a 
really cool thing, and I kind of regret that like Sign of the Times and 1999 didn't get that treatment um, because it does give you a very different experience. And obviously, it's sure. like without Prince's input, it's using all of the stem tracks that's there, but how they're placed, and you know, you've got left, right, up, down, in front of you, behind you, mm-hmm. um, and it can even do head tracking. So as you move, like instruments stay in one place. So what might be in the right channel moves around your head if you're moving. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like experiencing it in a live room. So it's wildly unique and a new experience, which I think is really cool. But I would place it like on the, I don't know, kind of niche side of like a Prince remaster album, knowing that there was. Not his personal involvement in it, obviously. Right. That's fair. All right. So it begins with this a cappella choir of princes, thunder nice. all through the night. Thunder all through the night. Promise to see Jesus in the morning light. Take my hand, it'll be all right. Come on, save your soul tonight. I saw this suggested as God's displeasure. Okay, he was so angry. He yes, like the thunder is a mm-hmm. sort of uh, traditional way in the Bible that sometimes yeah. uh, God spoke in yeah. a displeased manner. Yeah, to his followers. I totally agree. Yeah, and, and even it's in like Prince- also like how Prince started concerts. So it's yeah, with, interesting. Oh, yeah. He yeah. often started with thunder. He it's he's well, like and oh, ended with start, thunder too. Right? Yeah. yeah, started and ended with thunder. Yeah, that and here we are. We're starting with thunder. The mm-hmm. song we're maybe talking about a bad ecstasy trip here. Who knows? More broadly, I would say thunder tends to be turmoil. Yeah, trouble. Yeah. Or I mean, even. When Prince would talk to God in concert, you think of like during Purple Rain and on Temptation, uh-huh. he would use his piano as kind of like a thunderclap mm-hmm. when God spoke, right? that type of thing. So I also have to say like popping this album in day one, October 1st, like what, <laughs> you know, I've, we've heard uh-huh. uh, Daddy Pop, we've heard Diamonds and Pearls, we've heard Cream, we've heard uh, Get Off, but Aside of that, I mean, that's a, that's a lot to have heard, but we haven't heard the album versions of any of those, and we certainly haven't heard any inkling of this opening track mm-hmm. at all. So to hear, you know, an acapella-type opening uh-huh. was, you know, pretty exciting. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. And then uh, Promise to See Jesus in the Morning Light. Yeah. There's redemption. He knew how to find it, even after such turmoil, or maybe because of the turmoil, yeah. Take my hand, it'll be all right. Come save your soul tonight. He's going to share those answers that he found with you. Yes. He's going to bring you along. You are right. I'm totally with you. And also, I started thinking, well, that's not the first time that we've heard Prince invite us to take his hand either. I'll, you know, it's really like you hear, take my hand, it'll be all right. I don't know if that's Prince really talking or the voice he's hearing uh-huh. and saying, follow me, I'll guide you. But see verse two of Around the World in a Day, which was, come here, take my hand, I'll show you. I think I know a better way. So there's something about holding hands that's this you know, lifeline and assist or guidance to a better path. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get a fast beat with these swirling air sounds, which I think also kind of lends mm-hmm. to the idea Storm. that 
Yeah, or that it's even sort of mystical. Mm-hmm. This is more than just weather. Mm -hmm. This is a communication from a higher power. Yeah, I'm with you. There's gritty guitars that we haven't heard in a long time on a Prince Studio track. Like Graffiti Bridge was not this guitar-heavy, you know, album. Batman Mm -hmm. was kind of a pop-type thing that was probably love sexy when we would hear these types of guitars last three years prior. Okay, but also a lot of the guitar work on Love Sexy was kind of buried. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was incredible guitar work, but it was a lot of it was like difficult to make out unless you're really paying attention. Yeah. We kind of get a little bit of a sitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which I'm like, oh, you can kind of see maybe. Now, I know we heard a little bit of that in Around the World in a Day because that was yeah. supposed to be a more global album. But really that kind of fell to the side until Maite's influence came back. And we had a lot more Middle Eastern flavors coming in, really starting in Diamonds and Pearls, continuing for basically as long as they were together. True. Uh, Well, yeah. I had this as sort of on the latter half of a set of four songs with a little bit of Middle Eastern-inspired sound to them, those being Around the World in a Day, Thieves in the Temple, Mm -hmm. particularly... The live version of it yeah. had sort of some of that going. Thunder has it, and then it sort of all came to a head on seven. Uh-huh. Right. With that kind of influence. Yeah. So he he talks about love. And mm. I think love means God here. Well, we he said don't, himself. Yeah. God is love. Love is God. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. That you know, we don't know the origin of God. God connected to Prince through music. Love, nobody knows just how it was born. Also, I was like, wait a minute, are there aliens? Do you think God was aliens, maybe a little bit? Because it says, kiss me on the mouth, your leader, take me to. Because <laughs> that's what the like the all the old Always. movies oh, yeah. that he would take have seen that had yeah, yeah take me to your leader would have been what yep. the aliens said to the people totally and so I laughed a little bit at that that's a good point yeah uh, I heard the first verse and I thought we're sort of like still very much living in a graffiti bridge state of mind here with mm-hmm. uh, you know referring to love as a person or an angel or God and how amazing it was to me that graffiti bridge didn't really connect with audiences outside of diehard Prince fans, I would say. Mm-hmm. As far as like the storyline goes, the album did. But then here Prince's next album opens and really continues the same theme and ends up being one of his most commercially successful albums ever. And I'm trying to figure out where the disconnect was with Graffiti Bridge, if it was like hurt by the movie because it came off as like a cheesy musical and here you just have the audio version of the theme and it's you know surrounded by cool guitars and this middle eastern sitar type thing uh-huh. too just kind of a interesting way to look at it like oh he hasn't moved on really 
at all. It's just like putting a different undertone with it. Yeah. Um, and it's wow. somehow more palatable. Ding, 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 I think, because... Graffiti Bridge wasn't a very good movie, and I mean, I think it's I remember ca- saying that the the lighting and the costumes were really pretty, <laughs> which I truly believe. I truly, honestly feel that way. <laughs> That's a compliment. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I I really do think that it was just it was not a great movie. It would have been, I think, better directed by somebody else. Oh, better for sure. for sure. Better written if somebody had taken the reigns of this is the idea let's do something a little different with these words not that prince wasn't good with words but he was like he take like we talked about it from diamonds and pearls so many different meanings to it like he was able to see well this could be like a conceptual thing right but i don't know that like being in charge of executing every single last piece of it was a good fit you can see why he would think that it would go well for him though because every time Fully he's committed. taken the yeah. all the reins on an album, it was great. Yeah. And yep. yeah, we he just, um, anyway, yes, you're right. He has not moved on. Yeah. But this is, yes, I agree, more pal- palatable mm-hmm. because it does not have a movie associated yeah. with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. I don't know. There's more mystery to it that way, I guess. Yeah. Verse two, Prince is confused if it's God or the devil that's bringing him to heights of delight. And I thought this was interesting, you know, kind of maybe leads a little credence to the idea that this is maybe about the black album a little bit, because it does kind of harken back to that love sexy of God and sex intertwined spooky electric, spooky electric. There's a, you know, a question as to, I feel great is do I feel great because it's sinful or do I feel great because it's ordained? It's righteous. Yeah. 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 I hadn't noticed, this is one part where the remastered version of the album uh-huh. helped to bring out the background vocal effect when he says the bed started shaking. Uh-huh. I don't know who to blame. For bed started shaking, there's like this slowed down version of his voice behind all of that in a minute and 24 seconds that I had noticed before but stood out a whole lot more to me on a listen on the remaster. The bed started shaking. There's some like a teaser of guitars to come. Yeah, yeah, like a minute and fifty seconds. Mm-hmm, yeah. And then we get it again at like two minutes and twenty two seconds. And then they start coming faster. Two minutes and thirty three seconds. Two minutes and 37 seconds. Yeah. It's working up to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, those slow down vocals appear again on uh, Tears Came to My Eyes mm-hmm. at two minutes and 12 seconds. Yeah. Tears came to my eyes when I asked her name. Yeah. And he says, Tears came to my eyes when I asked her, her name. name. Yeah. I'm like, oh, is God female? Or he thinks love is female because he is male. 
Okay. Mostly. I don't yeah. know. Uh, yeah, but I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, made me holler when it finally came. That's not a sexual thing. Yeah. That is the name. Does Prince know God's name? Or can he just imagine how overwhelmed he would be to learn the name of God? Yeah, I think that's the latter. That it's And it's okay to not have that mm-hmm. answer because it just pushes the mystery even yeah. further. Oh, yeah. Um, and then at like two minutes and 40 seconds, we get these two layers of music mm-hmm. that are really illustrating the push and pull of life, whether it's good and evil, right and wrong, desire and obligation. We have like a piano that's pretty constant and pretty that is pulling one way. And then you have these like gritty, layer of guitars that interrupt in unpredictable ways pulling you in the other direction i thought that was a really nice way to use the music to show this dichotomy of two opposites yeah kind of playing or like trading blows that kind of thing and it also gives prince a reason to go off in the studio right Um, yeah because he's doing all of this of course yeah yeah and then those play off of one another and then Piano gets a solo. And then guitar gets a long driving turn. Yeah. um, And after that whole part, from like three minutes to three minutes and 21 seconds, there's some great Prince vocalizing that is Mm -hmm. much clearer and less muddy than in the original album that really sparkles here Mm -hmm. that I hadn't really appreciated before. Um, So I never really thought of this as like a, you know, a Prince, I don't know, overture. Uh It comes off that way a whole lot more. Like I can almost feel Prince's disappointment maybe that this song didn't get an awful lot of, oh my gosh, listen to this. It's uh-huh. you know, it's this amazing like pinnacle of his skill, songwriting and playing, but the remaster and a revisit maybe here years and years and years later just makes it seem more important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's some uh, reverse masking maybe from three minutes and 31 seconds to three minutes and 38 seconds. It's in the same family to me as like the backwards guitar parts in the future on the Batman soundtrack Okay, that kind of happened during that seven second period. There's just this fast playing that you're like, how is he doing this? And you've got to think there's some studio trickery going on there. Okay. I do think he saw this as kind of a stadium rock anthem also. Yeah. Considering how he wrote the intro to this, that it was going to be like the big opener. Uh Uh-huh. And you can hear a little bit of that. From three minutes and 40 seconds to three minutes and 55 seconds where there's like the singing breakdown, just the guitars in the chorus. And it comes off as like this very, very rock anthem leading into a super long instrumental outro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I really like love this whole outro, especially at the end, like at five minutes and 19 seconds, we get these keys and guitar that are less competitive here at the end. Suddenly it's like they figured out how to be harmonious here at the end. started out as seeing the world as very black and white, good and evil, whatever, just really like competitive and butting heads. And then these two instruments coming together more harmoniously where, you know, you actually live your life, which is somewhere in the middle and the gray. And it's the balance of seeing, okay, well, I thought this was evil, but it's not necessarily evil it's just different and this isn't necessarily good it's just another way of looking at the situation and if you can look at it from both sides what you're going to end up with is a place in the middle that is a lot more peaceful sure and i thought you were going this direction that all of what he you know says evil or the devil all these all these things are really just challenges and lessons Mm -hmm. like you you wouldn't know what good is right without the opposite of that or to be able to like separate them, at least try to discern between the two. Right. You know, you can't see beauty unless you know what ugly is. Yeah. You don't know what warm is unless you felt cold. Sure. And happiness and sadness very much the same way. I did start thinking about this song and this is way too literal of not a critique because it's unfair, (laughs) but so we have two names for this occurrence of lightning right lightning flashes and uh-huh. thunder is the sound that comes from lightning as whatever yeah, air heats the, up and yeah. you know there you get this explosion thing and i'm like well what why do we have two names for that it's really lightning causes it all right but because you know dating back throughout human history we seek shelter and uh-huh. so we experience the turmoil like you said through the sound first like if it's already raining and looking scary outside we rush in uh-huh. so we experience a lot of the turmoil through the sound of it but then i also started when did a, my normal deep dive into oh this is interesting christy will care <laughs> we'll see if it makes the cut of the podcast but you know we have separate names for thunder and lightning but because and i think part of it is because the speed of light is faster than the speed of sound uh-huh. so lightning sort of seeing you see it first and then you hear it and you can use the space between the two to see how far away a storm is that kind of thing but then why do we say thunder and lightning is a much more common way of describing that than lightning and thunder which just seems uh-huh. odd right even though lightning happens first right and it made me think of the little conversation we had with our son about the unspoken rule of like adjective order and why <laughs> it sounds correct to say, oh, there's a big blue dog over there. And why you seem deranged if you say there's a blue big dog over there. <laughs> yeah. Like you don't even understand how English works, even though that's all technically correct. It's just this known order of, you know. But, yeah, like if uh, somebody size, asked you to. color. The order of those things right. are important. Yeah. If somebody asked you to list those, you'd be like, I don't know. Does it matter? Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. But yeah. you don't know it, but you learned it in a, such a subconscious way. Yep. Yeah. I always kind of thought of that as 
particularly if you're inside already, you might not notice the lightning first. Yep. You hear the thunder and then you go and look yeah. outside. Oh, oh, there's something happening. And that's when you see the lightning and hear the thunder yeah. again. I agree. Yeah. I know that's right. And I know it's because of like the whole like distance away you experience it at different times. Mm-hmm. But like when someone coughs, there's not like... <laughs> Cough is when you hack something and then there's another like word for your spittle that comes out. You know, uh-huh. it's like the act of coughing is one singular thing. There's noise and an after effect of uh-huh. that too. Yeah. Whereas lightning and thunder are kind of seen as these two different things that are like you really probably don't have one without the other. Right. Thanks for tuning in for Science Tuesday <laughs> with the mountains and the sea. Oh, it'd be Science Sunday. It could be. Or, well, yeah, you're right. <laughs> All right, then we have Daddy Pop included on some versions of the Sexy MF single from Love Symbol album in 1992. Elisa Fiorillo's vocals. Mm -hmm. uh, Those words that she says are borrowed from a 1977 movie, Which Way Is Up, which starred Richard Pryor. Yeah. That movie was a remake of a 1972 Italian comedy, The Seduction of Mimi. No, didn't know that. Mm -hmm. So I did know about Which Way Is Up, Uh um, which kind of reminds me of the song What Is Hip, uh, which Prince covered a lot throughout his career. But then it got me thinking, this makes all kinds of references in Prince's music, and even this album to Caligula in 1979, Goldfinger, which we discussed from like 1964, Uh Which Way Is Up, this one from 1977, and music being Rocksteady in Mm -hmm. 1972, which I'm sure you're about to make a mention of also. But this, you don't think about Diamonds and Pearls as this like kind of throwback to like the golden era of soul, Uh 70s, 60s type music. I think because of how much hip hop is integrated into it and Tony M's presence, of course, for sure. But there are so many references and roots of it that kind of like lurk under in the mix in places. Mm-hmm. When I said rock steady, I thought I was giving away your next point. The Aretha Franklin song, Rock <gasps> oh, Steady. Yeah, I, I don't get to that till later. But yes, okay. go ahead. Um, yeah, with rock steady being like essentially what the drum pattern from Diamond from Daddy Pop is based on. Uh-huh. And I have heard that song. Hundreds of times, Prince even released his own cover of it on the Indigo Nights live album, and I had never heard uh, kind of almost the bass line, too, from Daddy Pop is borrowed right from Rocksteady by Aretha Franklin also. Yeah. The lyrics of this are uh, an attack on music critics. Um, Prince said this baldly to Spin. Mm. He told them. That, that that's what this song was about. Okay. Uh, for somebody who often did not say what his songs were about, he yeah. said it pretty right. overtly. I think it's even in the Diamonds and Pearls Super Deluxe yeah. book yeah. that he's quoted about by saying, this song is about people who talk uh-huh. S-H-I-T. Yeah. yeah. So Elisa Fiorillo says, all the lyrics say, sock it to me, but Ooh, I always hear it, it as... Shock it to me. Oh, I hear sock it to me. There was a book I had to read in grade school where one of the characters 
had a lisp and she said, fuck it to me, baby. <laughs> so that's actually what I, it was T-H-O-C-K. Oh, I'll have to find, we'll have to look up that, that book so you can share it with our listeners. But that's what I think of when I hear, ooh, fuck it to me. Yeah. And her lyrics are not in the book. So I hear, shock it to me. Okay. Uh, so speaking of lyrics, not in the book, Tony M's rap appears nowhere in the lyrics for uh-huh. Daddy Pop in the book. They're yeah. left out altogether. Yeah. And on the remaster, and then of course to like a next level on the Dolby Atmos mix of this song, it is far easier to pick out Rosie's and Prince's vocals. They're singing uh-huh. together and it's sort of like one voice on yeah. the original album. Okay. Where they're much more melded and almost hard to pick out who is who, which I almost think is intentional because Prince did that a lot. So that's a very different experience to listen to this um, as a remix or on the spatial audio version of the song. I love how he, in the whole first verse, is basically saying anybody who talks poorly of you is just jealous. They, they just wish they, they were what you. you. got, uh-huh. correct. Yes, they want to sleep in your bed. They want to not even drive your car. They just wish they were in your car. I uh-huh. think that's kind of cool. Steady wishing he was in your car, not steady, steady wishing he owned your car. Right. Or was driving your car. He like just you wants to ride in all it. All you can do is dream about being in the back seat. Uh-huh. So it's almost a, you know, a multi-layered insult there. Steady wishing he was in your car. And I think the last line of the chorus makes it clear, as clear as lyrics or poetry Mm. are, that this is levied at critics. They're punching in the rock and roll clock. Because real rock and roll isn't done by people who clock in. Yes. They're not suits or reporters, right? Right. They're people who are on stage playing the song. Yes, ma'am. I love the vocal range that we hear. He's so low for see all the people wonder why. Oh, yeah, like some of the deepest singing Prince has done on a studio track, uh-huh. I think. Yeah. See all the people wonder why. And then very high, just a couple lines later for high as the sky. Yep. And, you know, another shot at critics living in the past when they need yeah. to be living on the new. You know, they want clones of Purple Rain. Yep. And he was not interested in giving them that. He wasn't, although he had spent the previous year making a sort of sequel to Purple Rain. <laughs> so I know <laughs> I'm not Fair. trying to be like this jaded, like, you can't please me, but if you're going to make a song about <laughs> people wanting to be you, wishing they had your talent, why don't you enjoy the new stuff that I'm making? It's a little bit of a odd timing coming after a sequel to his biggest movie. That's fair. Get some really crisp, clean drums, mm-hmm. which are just so nice. There's a little weird thing in the music. It's almost like a fade. Mm-hmm. 
like a, a fade in of the drums, and I can't tell if it's intentional or just an edit that's a little strange. Well, I think there is like a track of rock steady drums happening, and there's okay. playing on top of it, so maybe there's some oh, of that happening there. Okay. But I hadn't even realized, like, even the bass from Daddy Pop, right? This. Is straight from Rocksteady. And not credited mm-hmm. at all. So I don't know who else could have done that besides Prince and gotten away with it. No. Love when he works in the guitar in this song. Mm-hmm. Uh, Punching in the rock and roll clock, talk, guitar, talk. And at a minute and 38 seconds, the guitar actually does talk. Uh It almost sounds like it has a talk box on the guitar and is singing with him. Yeah. Not with him, singing for him, essentially. I wonder if this song doesn't harken back a little bit to Thunder. So Daddy Pop is the writer and Love is the book. Mm-hmm. So if Daddy Pop is Prince and God is Love. Daddy Pop is a writer and Love is the book. You better look it over before you I, I don't know. It just seems like you better look before you overlook. Critics would do well not to dismiss Prince's music before they realize that it's a message from God? I don't, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it seems a little... That it is essentially God's creation because yeah. Prince, Prince sees himself as a creation of God and God put this in me and I'm putting mm-hmm. it out for you. Right. Yeah. It all felt very ordained. I thought it was interesting, very high view of himself. Yeah, but I think a lot of it, it's a high view of himself, but it's also a pep talk. This whole like first half of the album is a lot of... Uh, yeah, hype. A lot yeah. of hype. It's yeah. uh, Stuart Smalley looking at Prince through the mirror <laughs> and telling him, you got this. Uh-huh, yeah. The Tony M counting with Elisa responding. You hear Tony M, one, two, three. And Elisa is singing, oh, daddy. Ooh, sock it to me. You're the best. Mm-hmm. Oh, daddy. You're the best. That counting is much more, I don't know, clear and upfront in the remix also compared to the album version. And it's used again, like sampled towards the end of the song, mm-hmm. too. I don't think it's bad advice when he says, Whenever you say that you can't, that's when you need to be trying. Yeah. Whenever you say that you can't, that's when you need to be trying. I mean, again, like this is. Kind of pep talk for not only himself, but also like, hey, you could you can do this too. Mm-hmm. There's some I don't know, like actual usable advice sure. here from Prince that makes a lot of sense. I mean, he had been through, you know, successes and coming off like probably his biggest failure, if you want to mm-hmm. call it that, in Graffiti Bridge. Yeah. So he had a chip on his shoulder too. Sure, man, uh, you gotta love a vault reference. I got grooves and grooves up on the shelf. I got grooves and grooves up on the shelf. Deep purple concord jams. Yeah, 
He describes yeah. them as deep purple Concord jams. Like I've uh-huh. done so much that you haven't even heard. You've heard the tip of the iceberg and uh-huh. what's beneath the water yeah. line. Like here you are complaining about stuff and I have yeah. song after song after song yeah. that you've never heard. Yep. The Use of Slam by Prince. Don't you love it? You got it and you got the look. You've got it in Glam Slam. He says this party I will slam at three minutes and six seconds. Jam. I just kind of continues the slamming in Prince's own song. <laughs> I love that he sings the ringing phone rather than using a sound effect. Because he sings it so beautifully too, uh-huh. right? Ring, ding, uh-huh. Yes, it's so pretty, and I'm like, he could have easily pulled the sound effect in here, and yeah. that would have been very on brand for him. And then, but here yeah. he sings it instead. Yeah, his little library of stock sounds are fairly legendary, mm-hmm. and he does go to that well quite a bit. I did want to point out um, something that we saw him do on Arsenio Hall a number of times: the mouth click that was uh-huh. sort of a kind of started it seemed like with electric chair when he performed it on snl uh-huh. um, he had this little yeah thing that he does there's one at three minutes and 15 seconds also in the studio version there's kind of this sharp shift in the music that you kind of take notice of But there's nothing like really groundbreaking about it. And I kind of feel like he's toying with the critics, that this is something that they'd find fault with and comment on it because yeah. the music changes, but it's not it's not bad. It's just not particularly spectacular. Hmm. And it almost feels like he's just toying with these critics by putting this change here. Um, and while that's happening, we get the Tony M count again, like yeah. at three minutes and 49 seconds, but it doesn't count up. It doesn't get past two. He's saying one, two happens at 349, at 353, at 357, and at four minutes and two seconds, mm-hmm. and continues through this fun little vamp, which is what I think you're talking about, from four minutes and six seconds to four minutes and 21 seconds. when Prince was kind of dancing behind the Game Boys mm-hmm. um, and about ready to kind of sing along with Tony M as he delivers his rap on the Arsenio Hall performance. Yeah. Um, and Tony's rap starts at 4 minutes and 22 seconds, mm-hmm. and, he, and you can also hear him counting 1 and 2 behind his entire rap, which I never really heard before mm. listening to the remaster. Um, but I guess as if Prince's singing wasn't enough to explain what has him... A little perturbed. Uh huh. Tony's gonna scream it for you here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Parting while you don't care. That's what, like, I don't care. I'm going to scream at this and I'm gonna, it's party. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, there were a couple things I noticed listening to it again when he uh, gets to trash it up because we ain't through at about four minutes and 38 seconds through four minutes and 43 seconds. There's this rising cascading bass line behind the rap mm-hmm. there in that area that um, kind of just like builds the intensity. It's just kind of a nice musical moment. And then, of course, we get some uh, spelling. Because what is diamonds and pearls, if not a little bit of spelling? I have to say, I never heard this before. I didn't know that he was spelling oh. where you're going here. Okay. But go ahead. I did yeah. not know. I thought it was like just a run of words that I just couldn't make out. Oh, okay. Yeah, that I that's fair. Wave your hands in the air for the funkiest band in the land, and don't forget the P A R T Y M A N. It's so fast. Yeah, P-R-T-M-A-N. Uh-huh. Peace. Yeah. You know, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, it's so fast. It's a very fun, like, little Batman reference. Yeah. Well, I think the song, I think it said this on Prince Vault, that the song, the music kind of also came out of an extended version of Party Man, a live kind of version of Party Man. So there's a little connection there, too. Oh, okay. Which is kind of neat. I also did not realize that when they say, uh, right about now, MPG is like, eh. <laughs> I didn't realize that was like the definite, definite article A. Uh-huh. That's like, daddy, what they're saying in the whole line is MPG is like uh, daddy pop oh. at the end. So the whole, eh, daddy pop. Oh, so it's all one okay. complete thought, not a trail off of a thought which is how I always had it in my head before right. I sat down to really look at the lyrics here, which I really had never done before. Right. To be frank. You're not Frank, you're Josh. Thank the you line. for the reminder. And like I said, right about now, MPG is like, Oh, this was a really fun second song. And again, hearing it now, I did miss some of the other ad-libbing that Prince had done while he's on the piano and a lot more Prince and Rosie Gaines back and forth on the Arsenio Hall performance that's not here. There's some of it, like the jester's on the phone. Oh, yeah, Rosie, tell him I ain't home. Uh There's a whole larger part of that that's on the Arsenio Hall performance that is included later on Super Deluxe uh, edition of Diamonds and Pearls, which is not in the album version. So uh-huh. I felt like there was obviously a lot of energy. There's Tony M's rap is high energy and almost, you know, yelling, similar to what he did on stage. But I was, I won't say I was disappointed. I just wish there was more of yeah. the song after seeing it on Arsenio, Arsenio Hall. Because the fair. visuals there helped it a lot. Like yeah. seeing Tony, like, you know, kind of pretend to, punch Prince in the face and uh-huh. how tightly rehearsed they were. Right. But like none of that playfulness and fun was in Graffiti Bridge. It was too much of like Prince is this innocent soul we should all feel badly for. Uh-huh. And his, you know, parents yeah. treated him badly and his friend, quote unquote, Morris treats him badly and he's just got a heart full of love. And, uh-huh. you know, that's going to, that should mean that his nightclub gets to stay in business. <laughs> like these things don't connect, but the... <laughs> It works a lot better. Yeah. Here. That's fair. All right. Next up. The title track. Title track. Diamonds and Pearls, the fourth single, released November 25th, 1991. Michael Bland recalls that this was the first time... 
Prince recorded with himself, Tommy Barbarella, and Sonny T all at the same time, and he described it, it was efficient. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They'd been rehearsing with uh, MC Flash, Margie Cox's band, and Prince asked them to stay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they were on their way out. Yeah. And he was like, hey, could you guys stay a little bit more? Uh-huh. Or they were like packed up and leaving. Uh-huh. Vitamin String Quartet has a lovely cover of this. They have, have done a series of mm. popular songs, a uh, number of them by Prince. Mm. And the, they did Diamonds and Pearls in 2023. It's fun. Yeah. Michael Koppelman, who's an engineer, mm-hmm. talks in the Super Deluxe Edition booklet that Prince actually asked him to play a few instruments on Diamonds and Pearls. So encouraged him to do it, and he tried to, but Michael Koppelman says, he never let me do it, and he would just make fun of me and what I did. And then when we were doing the mix of the song, he literally unmuted his guitar for one half of a bar, and it made it into the song. And Michael Koppelman was like, okay, that's my first note on a Prince song. (laughs) Which I thought was really, really fun. Yep. So, man, big credit to Prince Vault. I'm sure you read this, too, about the similarities between this song and some others, one of which is Prince's and one is is not. And they're Mm -hmm. talking about the intro of the song, not the kind of like instrumental, fancy, magical pixie dust stuff at the beginning, but Uh almost like the bass line of it, the Mm do-do-do-do-do, do-do-do-do-do. So, super similar to the song In the Meantime by Betty Davis from her yeah. self-titled album in 1973. But then also, Sheila E.'s song Romance 1600, which is a much faster track but has the same basic undertone, melody, bass line, almost exactly. it's really fun to go back and listen to that and see where the similarities are. Um, I think we talked about this too on a previous episode that Michael and Sonny, who basically are the ones on this track on the, you know, the first initial tracking of it all didn't know what they were, what this was. They had no idea it was a title track. They played it a few hours later at a nightclub together. Mm -hmm. They just recorded it and didn't know what it was. And Tommy Barbarella was quoted as saying, I thought it was a Christmas song, yeah. which of course he must not have known Prince very well. Right. He would never do that. That was really fun. Yeah. I think that's, you can hear the story of that on the official Prince podcast podcast mm-hmm. for Diamonds and Pearls. It's very fun. Yeah. Yeah. It starts with this kind of otherworldly, but hopeful mm-hmm. sound. And then, like, 12 seconds in is when we get that recognizable musical start that... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kind of based on other things. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. You mentioned kind of the depth of his voice in Daddy Pop. Uh Uh-huh. And then you get here, and, I mean, he's pushing it even further. I mean, some of it is ridiculously low singing, then it goes right into falsetto. Right. And it doesn't sound like he's showing off or trying to prove anything it just kind of works yeah right? it's just the way the song needed to be yeah that I will never run away. 
Ah, uh, here we go. Prince and his search for for and belief in uh-huh. dedicated, yeah. faded, eternal love. Yeah, I love. will never run away. I'm like, nope, he's going to swagger away. I mean, he has a commitment to finding something wrong. That's the commitment <laughs> that I see. <laughs> as sweet as this song is, uh-huh. and it is very sweet, and I kind of compare it to Graffiti Bridge, okay. the song Graffiti Bridge, right. which I think is a schmaltzy mess. <sighs> Uh-huh. Uh, to me, like one of the worst songs ever released on an album by Prince. Uh-huh. And this is so similar, but then comes off so much more likable, so much more sincere. And I don't know if it's like the duet with Rosie Gaines, the more like band sound of the whole thing too. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds much less like a cheap musical, Yeah, which is kind of what I thought Graffiti Bridge sounded like. Anyway, it started yeah. off real good for me. Yep, I agree. So the chorus starts, obviously, if I gave you diamonds and pearls, would you be a happy boy or a girl? If I gave you diamonds and pearls, would you be a happy boy or a girl? Well, he's singing this with Rosie Gaines, and I wonder if that's why he put boy or girl, or was it simply to fit no, the rhyme structure and the length of what he was trying to do here because it or is it meant to be inclusive and i don't and i can't really decide why why that was why boy and girl were being included because especially in the early 90s you wouldn't be giving men as like your average not an ultra wealthy person you're not gifting a lot of diamonds and pearls to men yeah i think a lot of that operates on a different plane like lyrically for prince like diamonds and pearls are just like the rarest and most you know precious mm-hmm. treasure sure. almost so kind of symbolic but i also thought and maybe because I've seen the video so many times that he's not talking to grown-ups. He's not oh, talking right. to people who would really value diamonds and pearls like literal children. Would you be a happy boy or a girl? A diamond and a pearl for oh, a child. They like don't matter. Adults find them, you know, put value on them. Mm. What a kid needs mm-hmm. is love. And that's and he's saying, if I could give you the world, I would, but All I can do is offer you my love, which is almost his position as a rock superstar god. Mm -hmm. His gift to us, essentially, is his music, Uh which he's trying to fill with love. Right. And here's a chance that he's sort of opening it up. You don't sing hear Prince sing a lot about children pre, you know, 1996, Maite. Uh So to see this kind of raunchy, rock god prince actually being like having a sweet open mind and realizing oh well like what we value as adults has no meaning to the innocence of a child what's most important there is the most simplest thing and that's really what should be important to all of us yeah yeah i got that and that i did think that that kind of seemed like also maybe prince commenting on how used he sometimes felt like he felt Like his wealth or his talent were things that people would want to exploit. And he always 
I think was looking for the person who didn't care about those things that cared about oh, yeah. the joy and in the and, partner and, and yeah. yeah, in partner that he could look at. And I wondered if maybe that was something that also kind of maybe led him to drew him to the Jehovah's Witness faith because they don't celebrate holidays or birthdays or you know, Valentine's Day or, you know, any of these things that would be gift giving holidays that he would rather give love every day in an equal way rather than, yeah. It was an easy sell for Mm -hmm. Larry Graham is what we're saying. Yeah. Sure. I could see him even at this time being maybe a little paranoid in relationships of do they love me because yeah, because do they love me? Are they in it for the love that I can give them? Are they in it for the material things? Yeah. Not that he didn't have a love of material things. This is true. Yeah. I mean, you don't have that many BMWs in a (laughs) video that you own. Yeah. Unless you like some material things. He earned it. That's fine. It's fine. I'm not. It's fine. Yeah. I think this next verse where Prince and Rosie are truly like singing together is another embodiment of Graffiti Bridge. Which one of us is right if we always fight? Why can't we just let love decide? Which one of us is right if we always fight? Why can't we just let love decide? Which is like this almost unrealistic way to see the world like well love will figure it out well no you've got to work also right <laughs> asking am i the weaker man because i understand that love must be the master plan does it make me less of a strong figure because i don't have to use brute strength or intelligence it's all about being kind that kind of thing i just thought that's like the kid from graffiti bridge could have said that you know mm-hmm. it works in this song versus somehow again coming off corny in the film and i think rosie's voice really helps sell it sure. a lot too sure, that sure. it's not just him well and i wondered if love wasn't god in thunder Mm-hmm. Here, yeah. Because you know, why don't we let love decide? Let's let God decide. Okay, well, who hears God? If we listen to thunder, maybe Prince. That's true. Yeah. Maybe yeah. it almost seems a little self-serving, as in the I have this connection with God, and we're gonna let God, quote unquote, decide. Yeah. Who's right and wrong? Hmm, who's going to end up right and wrong, yeah, you think? because I'm the one that hears the message. I was like, because I wrote the Bible. I was inspired by God as a man to write the Bible, so I've got all the answers. It's a little bit of... So I, it is a, it's a tough thing to, I don't know, navigate. I don't uh-huh. know that he's trying to navigate anything here, but um, <laughs> you know, it's like I was talking to a friend of ours yesterday about an interview he was doing with someone who was his contemporary, very successful teacher... Um, and as he's talking to him, he said he, he just kept getting these references to his, like, well, I, I guess I'm an influencer now, whatever that means. Uh-huh. But it's not said in a way that's uh, I'm surprised by this. It's a let me sneak this into the conversation because I know it's true. Wink, <laughs> a little wink. Little braggadocious. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. So I'm not saying diamonds and pearls goes that far, but it's hard to you know Prince has built a story up to this part, up to this song that sometimes is at odds with that. Sure. But that's part of like, 
the Gemini thing, you know, the, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, his dual nature, whether it be sexuality and, you know, religion, all the stuff that's in good and bad at all, like you said, mixes together to create this, you know, tapestry. Well, I definitely think that there was times when Prince wrote lyrics where he didn't realize it, but he was telling on himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we've we've covered quite a bit of that. We have. For sure. And like, I oh, think this you I just won- said the quiet part out loud. Yeah, Thanks. you didn't even realize yeah. that was supposed to be the quiet. You didn't even realize yeah. that there was a quiet part. Right. And you just said it out loud. Yeah. And he it's yeah. never malicious. That's and right. but I think it's it's interesting and revealing. Yeah, you weren't sometimes. trying to hide this. <laughs> but it was inside you and you let it out. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. The Christmas part that I think Tommy Barbarella is talking about. Is it two minutes and 29 seconds? A little breakdown. Uh Big old Michael Bland drums and Prince rowing guitar. Well, we get back to the spelling of things. Mm -hmm. Well, and in that, like just before that part that you're, talking about where that's the very grandiose Mm -hmm. bridge. There's these guitars that are in the left channel and they sound like a more mature rubbery guitar that we heard a lot of in the for you Mm. era with very early outtakes. Right. Yeah. We heard, we heard lots of these rubbery rubbery guitars and it's like, he's kind of revisiting that Mm -hmm. in a way that is, more mature, updated, very contemporary for the early 90s, but still referencing that. So, but then, yes, we do get the spelling. Yeah, by yeah. Rosa Gaines. Yeah, just, I don't know. The spelling is the only part of the song I think that bothers me. And it's oh. only because of all this other stuff. If it was just in this song, that's fine. But uh-huh. it happens so much. And it happens all throughout the outtakes, the vault tracks. Uh-huh. It is a crutch. A big, big, like early mm. 90s crutch. Mm. That's fine. It is also like the only love that the word diamond or diamonds get on this whole album. Right? Uh-huh. It's like right. it is very Pearl-centric. Uh-huh. Uh, I'll also point out that Rosie leaves the S off. It's D to uh-huh. the I to the A to the M, O to the N to the D to the Pearls of Love. Diamond. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Right. Yeah. That's okay. Maybe there wasn't yeah. space there. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some fun hand claps at two, two minutes and 51 seconds after she says the letter A uh, in spelling that that I hadn't heard before. That it was just kind of, oh, this is fun. Someone's having fun back there if that's mm-hmm. Prince or somebody else. Prince makes mention of Love Will Blow Your Mind. Everything will shine so bright, it makes you colorblind. I'm like, oh, that kind of 
that's okay. If love is God, then, you know, being in the presence of God will erase all human differences. Mm -hmm. But it's also, so the lyrics I found, you know, I didn't look in the book. Uh There will come a time... What's the next line? When when love will blow your mind is what I lyrics I found online, even though to me it sounds like he says, when you will blow your mind. No, it's love. There will come a time when love will blow your mind. I don't know that I could be convinced that, he, that they sing the word love. And everything you. you look for, you'll find. Okay. So, All right. Love is in the official book. Okay. From that point forward, three minutes and 31 seconds forward to where they sing So Bright It Makes You Colorblind, you should check out the bass guitar and what's happening in the remastered version that makes the bass a lot more clear. Mm, Okay. It's very cool. You can hear it on the live version, but I had never really picked it up in the studio version, what uh, I assume is Sunny T. Mm -hmm. is doing on the bass guitar. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. There's some really very nice high vocalizations Mm -hmm. by Rosie. Yeah. Really great. The signature, right? Like four minutes and 12 seconds where she hits a note that's almost unreachable by human mouth. Yeah, it's like a... What Mariah Carey became oh, yeah. famous for. It's yeah. a emotion. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Totally. Yep. There's you know, the song does fade out. There's a longer version on the Super Deluxe Edition. It yeah. kind of fades out uh on a guitar solo also. Uh-huh. In, in the guitar right solo and Rosie doing some really interesting stuff here. And yeah. I'm like, oh it fades out. Yeah, well, you'll get to hear the rest of yeah. it. That's good. Okay, well, I cannot be disappointed by that, then. Yeah, hang in there. It'll be okay. (laughs) All right, then we're up to the second single released from the album, Cream. Yeah. September 9th, 1991. It was also backed with Horny Pony. Yeah, so Horny Pony that got the boot from the album, thanks to Get Off, Uh showed up as the B-side of Get Off, though it did not show up on the maxi single for Get Off. Right but then showed up again as the B-side for Horny Pony. No, Cream. What did I say? (laughs) It's not the B-side for Horny Pony. They didn't release Horny Pony back with Horny Pony? (laughs) They should have had one side Horny, the backside Pony. Uh That's right. I I meant Cream, yeah. So it got the, um, I don't know, it was released twice in a row as a Mm B-side. So I think Prince felt a, I don't know. A little guilt. A little guilt, maybe, (laughs) like, let me make this right. Poor Horny Pony. Yeah. In May of 1992, the Minnesota Music Awards was held at Prince's Glam Slam nightclub, and Cream was named Best Song. It's sort of like the... It's a little unfair to host that. I mean, who who I else mean, in Minneapolis is going to win that and <laughs> hosting the award well, show, it was too? all of Minnesota, okay. just Minneapolis. Okay. All right. You know what I mean. <laughs> yep. Uh, there's a very sweet lullaby cover of Cream and a very silly 8-bit cover of Cream. So it sounds like it came from a really old video game, oh, but it's kind of fun. Very fun. I had sort of forgotten that it would become its fifth U.S. single. In a number one single in the U.S., mm-hmm. following Wind Doves Cry, Let's Go Crazy, Kiss, and then Bad Dance. Yeah. Prince told everybody at the MTV Unplugged performance that he did in 2004 yeah. that this was written standing in front of a mirror. 
He did, and he caught himself because I think if you go back and watch that and listen to it, he's he's playing in the middle of the song uh-huh. and stops. You know, he's yeah. toying with the crowd a little bit, and he says, "You know, I wrote this while I was in the while looking in the mirror. I think he was going to say in the bathroom, <laughs> uh-huh. and that like you know, it was like uh, starfish and pee pee. Like he didn't want that stuff in his music." And he almost says that, I'm pretty sure, but yeah. then like catches himself and is like looking yes. in the mirror. Yeah. So you should have. You know, I wrote this in, while I was looking in the mirror, right? Well, because the bathroom was where the mirror probably was. And then uh, he realized. Probably over his bed too, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And man, right from the start, you can see where the confusion began, whether this was a sexual song or not. Because oh, Prince loved it. Oh, he loved it, loved it. Because oh, the yeah. groans and moans that start this are so subject- suggestive. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's kind of the best vocalization, noise-making thing that Prince does with his own voice Uh to me since the beginning of When Doves Cry. Yeah. Right? I mean, that one's like ultimate. Uh Yeah. It's so recognizable. But what he does in the kind of lead up on Cream is on the same level to me, for sure. I really love the drums. It's very simple, but commanding and insistent. And there are cowbells, but they're okay here. Uh-huh. Um, I think it was in the official po- Prince podcast that Michael Bland was saying, like, this was sort of, it was basically a live recording uh-huh. uh, that he's playing drums, and the little uh, digital percussion hits are Kirk Johnson. He was in uh-huh. another room, so you hear those up front, like the, like this little uh-huh. digital drum hit, and he's like, that was like real time. With him, oh. he was like such. He was a really good drummer himself, and of course, he'd go on to play drums for Prince too. Right. Um, so that's fun to to look out for. And I okay. I don't remember where I read this, but that this song "Cream" was Prince's answer to the style of Robert Palmer's "Addicted to Love," "Simply Irresistible," "I Didn't Mean to Turn You On." Those types of songs. This was sort of his uh-huh. bluesy rock answer to those things. Okay. Yeah. Um, did you read that Bonnie Raitt says that sh- her slide guitar was sampled and uncredited in the song also, that Prince had asked her to show kind him. of show him how to do it. Uh-huh. And I guess was recording it also uh-huh. and just went right ahead and used it. Like, I don't need to learn this because you can you do it. You already did it. <laughs> yes. yes, I did see that. Okay. <laughs> Ouch. Even like, so, his delivery of lyrics here too, I think, is equally like he sings it as if it's meant to be a sexual song. Uh huh. But the words he's saying are nothing more than a "You've got this. Lace up your shoes. Uh-huh. You're fully trained. You can go out there and win the hundred yard dash anytime uh-huh. you want. This is not hard for you." Right. Kind of message. You got the horn. Why don't you blow it? Oh man, I mean, the, I mean the word blow. Uh-huh. That's right. A horn yeah. is a euphemism. Right. I mean, he's saying, go ahead and brag on yourself because 
you've got this, but it sounds so suggestive. Yeah, you have nothing to prove. Mm-hmm. It, this is what you do. When he even says, you got the horn, so why don't you blow it? There's a little guitar uh-huh. slide yeah. at 54 seconds. It's kind of smooth, and you're like, well, that's not even a horn. It's just kind of his instrumental response to, uh-huh. like, there's a zinger. Uh-huh. I just hit you with one yeah. you didn't expect. Well, and then he says, you're filthy, cute, and baby, you know it. So, I mean, he's also commenting on somebody's look. He's commenting on his own look. I know. He's commenting on his own look. But until we know that he's written this in a mirror, it sounds like he's telling a partner, you are cute and you are a freak in the sheets. I love the term filthy cute. Yeah. Um, I think it's fun, especially referring to himself. That sounds Uh like a very... Jamie Starr, Morris Day, casual Prince way to kind of mm-hmm. assess himself. Yeah. yeah. Before we even got to that, there were some guitars mm-hmm. that also had this rubbery quality from oh, For yeah. You. Which I'm like, yeah. oh, this is really interesting of him like pulling back to some of the things that he did really early that maybe people didn't hear very much. Yeah, well, and you can hear them much better also. It's yeah. another one that benefits from, from the wider audio space that the remaster and then especially the, it's probably the best spatial audio oh. song on the whole album. Okay. Uh, just because everything is so much wider and that kind of undertone, like bass, rubbery guitar thing you're talking sure. about is so much more, there's just room for it. Uh-huh. And it's not stepped on by everything else that's going on. Yeah. It's interesting to listen to some of these songs in Atmos because some of them I feel like really benefited from it and some of them I felt like kind of lost some, some yeah power or some grandiosity you know where it should be more and yet still some things felt a little flatter but i felt like this one of the atmos songs was really good yeah for sure throughout the chorus there are these fast playing synths like the same note that tommy Mm -hmm. barbarella is playing that kind of define the whole song to me that you know it's it's so simple Uh uh-huh And it's this really rhyming chorus too, and it, you would think with that those like repeated synths and the the sing songy kind of rhyming chorus. Oh, it's simple you would, rhyme scheme, right? Yeah, it really is. You would think it would be irritating, but it's so <laughs> okay. pleasant. I was going to say cheesy, but I think you're right with irritating. I mean, because the rhyming is top, cop, stop, and then he makes up a term shabuggy bop. Right? Uh-huh. It sounds ridiculous. And I don't know if that's why it's almost like his least appreciated number one song, at least among Prince super fans in uh-huh. a way. Like, oh, Cream is just, there's nothing to it. But I think because it's simple and because there's a sexual and self-esteem kind of thing going on here and it's playful, it's perfect for radio. Yeah. Uh, probably it's one of the smartest singles. Like, yeah. we named this podcast... The Mountains and the Sea, because I've always thought Mountains was like my favorite Prince single. But this was like the most obvious Prince single coming off of like what wasn't a very radio friendly graffiti bridge. Mm -hmm. 
they had to have heard this song at Warner Brothers and were like, that's, <laughs> like, that's yes. a hit. Yes, thank you. More uh-huh. of that, please. <laughs> this one's for white radio. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because that's how they really saw things, which sure. is why they wanted to get off for black radio. Yep. Yeah. You're right. Oh, and, you know, this is probably our most quoted song on this podcast, I would say, is because, you know, we make the rules. Oh, that's right. (laughs) And sometimes, like this episode, we're going to break them. True. Make the rules. Break them all because you are the best. That is true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's like you're in power and then... It's like the kind of thing, this, the whole line, make the rules, then break them all because you are the best. You're like the boss everybody hates because you have like these office rules. You got to be here at 830. When you leave, you sign out. When you come back, you sign in. I want to know where you are. And then you're like, where's boss man? Uh-huh. And I was like, I, I don't know. Yeah, like, boss man hasn't shown up today because he, he's boss man. Yeah. And he's breaking the rules. Yeah. And well, Prince is he boss wants, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think that's just the kind of coy confidence that's almost defined on that whole Verse two. I mean, how more simple can it be than him singing, "You're so good, baby. There ain't nobody better." Uh huh. That's right. You're so good, baby. There ain't nobody better. Ain't nobody better. So you yeah. But I mean, that's also like a super sexual thing when you think of it. You uh-huh. know, to tell someone you're so good. good. Uh huh. There's, There's nobody, nobody better. better. Yeah. 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 Well. You know, you break all the rules because you're the best. I don't know if we're the best, but we definitely have the best listeners. And we're certainly the best. Uh Uh oh. (laughs) We're certainly the best Prince podcast to come out of our little suburb in Texas. (laughs) But our listeners are the best. And uh, if you're one of our best listeners or want to be, find us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, The Mountains in the Sea, a Prince podcast. You can find us on Twitter at TMATS podcast, T-M-A-T-S podcast. Uh, or you can send us an email, podcast at gmail.com. And um, if you are one of those listeners and you would like a sticker. Oh, are we giving away stickers? Uh, yeah, it's been a while. I've got some stickers hanging around. Send me in uh, email or a DM on one of the uh, social media platforms with your dress, I'll be happy to send you a sticker. Beautiful. They're pretty good stickers, too. They are. Yes. They're very nice Perfect stickers. Perfect for the rear windshield of your vehicle. That's Should right. You have one. Uh, just more simplistic lyrics. I think that's what I like, that Prince like holds himself back. It's an obvious connection between, like we said, sexual references and just this pep talk. Off the cuff, look up in the air, it's your guitar. <laughs> Look up in the air, it's your guitar. It's almost like he's realized, like, what people have said. Sometimes he would throw his guitar, uh-huh. and it would not come back down. Oh, right. Very yeah. often, like, after 1991, of course, Prince would have known that long, long ago. So there's, at 2 minutes and 16 seconds, there's a little guitar solo with Prince's own moans mixed in. Uh-huh. That's well, but he's also playing the cloud guitar. 
That's right. It's in That's the true. air. You got it. It's floating. Oh, look up in the air. There's a cloud like your guitar. Yeah, that's a good point. Also, I also thought it was like because you are so superior, everyone is looking up to you. Uh-huh. Even your guitar looks down upon other people. <laughs> the mere mortals. That's right. Yes. <laughs> the verse three, do your dance. Why should you wait any longer? dance would be picked up and kind of turned into its own song on the cream maxi single yep and such a cool little guitar between the lyrics um here at two minutes and 34 seconds that's worth another listen yeah and then a little later they're at like three minutes and 29 seconds. There's um, guitars that are different, but complementary in each of the stereo channels. And it's just fabulously fun. You are correct. So as the song... Just before it starts to fade out. Mm, boo. I know. I have always struggled with what he says at three minutes and 47 seconds, mm. whether it's boogie or bunny or buggy. He sings it at three minutes and 47 seconds while there's guitars going on. And after reading uh, about the slide guitar. Mm-hmm sampling it struck me and maybe it's just because now i can like will myself to hear it but i wonder if if even bonnie Raitt has missed that she was credited because prince bonnie kind of says her name at three minutes and 47 seconds i thought it was boogie because it's like shaboogie bop yes it could but i don't hear the ooh like double Uh o sound is not there and i'm not sure i hear g's uh-huh. G plural, not right? G's. I'm sort of operating under the impression that he may have given Bonnie Raitt a little call out here that and might have gone unnoticed. Oh. I don't know. Tell me if I'm wrong. Prove me. Prove to me that I'm wrong. Until then, you want me to prove a negative? Prove a negative. I thought we sure. weren't supposed to do that. Uh, well, then don't. I'm right. Okay. <laughs> uh, so as a, my other favorite thing to do, especially growing up, listening to the song is to like, as songs fade, I would try to fade up. I try to do the opposite of the uh-huh. crummy DJ fade and turn normalize the fade, turn uh-huh. it up as the song was fading out. And you can hear Prince say, cream, baby, <laughs> as the song is going away. Cream, baby. Then it always left me wondering, well, there's more to this. What What else is there? You know, that's just how music and recording works. That's right. All right. Then we have Strollin', also a B-side yeah. for Sexy MF with yeah. Daddy Pop. Yep. Shockadelica Tribute has a cover by The Captain and Me that is kind of like a barbershop quartet with music. Fun. It was fun. Diffuser suggested that Strollin' was a bit of a tribute to George Benson he was uh, kind of an easy listening, bluesy soul singer and guitarist. Prince was a fan of Benson, who had 
uh, probably his biggest hit that you might have heard was a cover of The Drifters on Broadway in 1978. That song was included in Smokey Joe's Cafe, which L'Oreal Werner, a.k.a. Diamond, choreographed the show for in the show. And he had a... A video for a song called Give Me the Night in 1980 and he's on roller skates with his guitar. Oh, wow. Oh. It was super fun. Wow, that's cool. I that know. I had not heard. Uh-huh. Oh, because I was like, what are the songs that he's mm-hmm. most famous for? Okay. Uh, Nothing's Gonna Change My Love for You and that, that one that one I recognized when I heard it okay. and then of course on Broadway yeah, his version is the one that I heard probably most when I was like a kid yes and then Give Me the Night was Mm -hmm. listed as one of his biggest hits and I went and watched the music video for it and he is roller skating in a suit that's really fun but it was really fun it wasn't like uh, black suspenders with a giant orange no short sleeve shirt and a pimp hat no okay no Um, so only three musicians appearing on this track but Prince being everything except for Michael Bland on drums and Levi Cesar Jr. on bass guitar. Mm -hmm. Even though it's, according to Prince Vault, he's credited for rhythm guitar and backing voice. Um, So I don't know if they're saying that that's Prince with the rhythm guitar or other little guitar hits or what. My first note coming to this song was just going back to what I said earlier, that there are so many entertainment references on this album from the 60s and Mm -hmm. the 70s. But because of all the hip-hop elements and Tony M rapping, um, the album is so often not thought of at all as a throwback album of any kind. But I'm glad we get to come up and revisit Strollin', even for us coming off of recently visiting For You Uh in depth. This could have easily been uh, a teenage prince you know, singing. We've got these gentle, strange guitars, a muted guitar, a jazzy bass, uh, Prince falsetto, singing about simple, everyday stuff like uh-huh. finding joy and, you know, candy and skating. <laughs> and uh-huh. it is 70s soul comparable to what we spent so many episodes covering yeah. on For You. That's super fair. Yeah, it's sung so sweetly. It, oh, yeah. It, paints this idea idyllic picture of somebody successful enough to only work nine to five for their own business and they can close on a whim to go roller skating around the lake because it's so great to be alive yeah it's like this interesting sort of throwback but also privilege but also very feels like an old movie Yep. It's very interesting. For sure. I even thought that uh, kind of a fun play on words to say, like, take the day off. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say take a vacation day or don't work today. It's take a break from nine to five. Don't uh-huh. work from 95. Take a break from 95, which yeah. I thought was kind of a cool way to do it. But close the shop. Let's take a drive. I mean, to me, like I hear skate around the lake and I think anything on roller skates is like 1970s disco mm-hmm. or maybe now 1990s gangster. Yeah. <laughs> Glamming. Yeah. yeah. We could rent some roller skates. We could skate around the lake. It's 
so in that short chorus that's almost sickeningly sweet we could have fun just strolling yeah. and it seems really simple but there are at least four layers of prints there oh maybe yeah maybe more strolling strolling Just the himself harmonizing and the falsetto hits uh-huh. are like really, really nice. Uh-huh. Yeah. It sounds so simple, but it's much more complex than you realize. Yeah. That next verse when he sings Laugh Behind It While We're Eating Ice Cream, uh-huh. we're looking at a dirty magazine together, yeah. and there are little Prince laughters at a minute and 15 seconds in the background. Uh-huh. Ha, 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 ha. Yes. That are yeah, really yeah. funny. Left behind it while we eat ice cream. <laughs> they kind of sound like the end of Darling Nikki. Oh, uh-huh. Even. But of course, this is a radically more sweet. Yes. Before that, let's forget about the time. And I'm like, I know he's kind of advocating for like leaving the watch behind, but I kind of chuckled a little thought at that it might be a little bit of a diss at Morris Day, too. Ooh, boy. Maybe so. Maybe so. He did mention nine to five. Uh-huh. So there's some time, I know. but I see what you're saying. Let's yeah. forget about the time because like, this is oh, definitely Because this is right after. Yeah, yeah, this is a split. This is right after Graffiti Bridge. Yeah. Let's forget yeah. about the time. Let's leave that portion of things in the past. Yep. And then uh, this feels like a very outdoor song to me. Oh, like, I see. It is like a, it's springtime. Yes. And, and it's beautiful. And, yeah. This is why you need to close your store because we need to go and do these lovely things outside. Yeah. And he says, we could stroll the mezzanine. Uh-huh. And I'm like, does he not know what a mezzanine is? Or was that something in Minneapolis that I we do- don't know about? I lo- because I a tried mezzanine to look- is in a building. It's not outdoors. Right. Yeah. The, well, because that's what I thought. And I went looking to see if I could find another meaning for the word mezzanine. Okay. And I think it was just... In order to rhyme with magazine, he wanted to talk about eating ice cream while looking at a dirty magazine and laugh. And that was the thing that he thought of that rhymed with magazine. But a mezzanine is like a second or higher floor that's open to the lower floors. So it's, it's kind of a... Yeah, like mezzo means half in Italian. Right, yes. I thought I'd impress you with that knowledge. Thank you. You're yes, welcome. I'm very impressed. Thank you. You can pat me on the back mm-hmm. after the show. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of a, also an extravagance. Yeah. Because instead you c- could put a whole floor, but instead you're going to do something that is made to be beautiful by leaving it open. Yeah. I didn't know if maybe it was more of like, balcony could that be a thing maybe i didn't go into the deep dive you said you went into so i'm sure i'm asking all the same questions you did i mean i couldn't find that it really meant anything other than that second floor and rhymed with magazine and rhymed with magazine so i think that he was thinking of mezzanine as like a place to promenade in a garden okay and that's not what it is (laughs) 
So, but it's fine. It's so charming. Yeah, it Ooh, is. Like whatever. For sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's called strolling, but you could just replace it with carefree. Uh-huh. It wouldn't be nearly yes. as cool, but that's what we're talking about mm-hmm. is being in the moment and enjoying it. Right. And he says, uh, you know, the guy with the blue guitar mm-hmm. is going to be a star someday. Yeah. He played a blue guitar, a cloud guitar that he had named the Blue Angel mm-hmm. from 1984 until 1993. Yep. In June of 2020, that sold at auction for over $560,000. To me. No. Oh, sorry. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I did not yeah. go and hawk on our house. Yeah. Yeah, to- yeah. By you. Um, yeah, I got a call out in the long extended version of I Wish You Heaven, mm-hmm. parts one, two, and three. Yeah. Um, it's the blue angel. Yeah. They're, they're observing this man with the blue guitar. Maybe one day he'll be a star. It's like, this, is he talking about himself as a kid? But as a kid, he didn't have the blue guitar. So it's almost this fantasy. Yeah. Seeing the future kind of thing. Or, or like. Potential. Yeah. I think um, that's what it is. Like, it's just this, he imagines himself in another universe yeah, where he hasn't made it body. yet, but yeah. he's got this blue guitar and yeah, he's playing it. It's he's he going to be a star. And yeah. Also the give you diamonds and pearls. All I can do is offer you my love, you know, dichotomy uh-huh. we talked about. He sort of almost says that here with give him your ice cream, give him uh-huh. what you have. Uh-huh. Uh, and I'll give him the keys to my car. And they're both equal gifts, like generosity is king. Uh-huh. Which is kind of a sweet connection there, too. Uh, he makes a mention of making a joyful sound. Mm-hmm. Um, hard to not, there's so much hate going around. Hard to not let it get you down. Least we can do is make a joyful sound. song of that same name oh, joyful okay. song recorded around this time joyful also. sound or joyful song i'm sorry joyful sound okay that's at two minutes and 17 seconds i would love to know if it's known and was found why wouldn't that be included on diamonds and pearls mm. super deluxe there's some very organic finger snaps that uh, add to that kind of vintage feel that we have here yeah at the end there's a reprise of the entire verse one Mm -hmm. and sung with like even more vocal range um you know it goes back to close the shop let's take a ride it's a repeat but a re-singing of the whole thing with those finger snaps that gives it a whole new kind of sound yeah and a nice simple jazzy low bassy ending with oh yeah Uh uh-huh a proper end yeah finally yep yay Really well done. This is sort of, uh, I remember listening to this as a younger guy, and I'm like, I just want to hear like jams, but this is a jam. It uh-huh. was like, you have to, um, I don't know, be a certain 
level of maturity, I think, to appreciate what it means to drop your plans and just go, go have, have a fun. lovely day. Yeah. yeah. A simple lovely day. Not just like and a harmless, like yeah. you're not out causing trouble. Right. Just going out because it's nice outside and you want to eat ice cream and roller skate. Sounds good to me. Yeah. I'm not going to work tomorrow. <laughs> All right. The final song we're going to talk about today, Willing and Able. Levi Caesar Jr. remembers this being a collaborative effort. It that, sounds like it. Mm-hmm, that he and Michael Bland were warming up. Mm-hmm. And Prince really liked the exercises that they were doing. And he had Tommy Barbarella add keyboards. And then he added more stuff after that. And that's kind of how this came to be. Yeah. There are some songs that may have influenced this song a little bit that he would have known. Fats Domino, I'm Ready. Okay. I'm Ready, I'm Willing, I'm Able to Rock and Roll All Night from 1959. Uh, The Choice Four had a song, Ready, Willing, and Able. Okay. David Ruffin did a cover of the Choices Fours, Ready, Willing, and Able in 1976. And Minnie Ripperton had Young, Willing, and Able in 1977. Yeah. I mean, again, like soul music. Yes. Right? All of these very much like... Yeah, soul music and soul movies. Soul rock and black artists. Yeah. Yeah, heavy heavy influences, even though, like, it's not immediately evident listening to it that that's the case, for sure. Also, a little bit of, like, gospel in here, too, with the Steels making an appearance with background vocals. Mm -hmm. Eventually, we'll get to the video for this, and there's a... The video is sort of a live studio version of the song that uh, is even more Mm gospel-y than what we hear here. Here, 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 (laughs) here. Um, but yeah, I just like the soul train continues on this song with yeah. um, a little bit of country guitar and gospel vocals behind Prince's falsetto. Kind of thematically green part two. The, yeah. The pep talk of, you know, sure. you are this good. And not only do you have this talent, but you want to do the work also. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think we see that, that he's praising his, this band. Yeah. There are some Kings in my deck and a queen or two. There's some Kings in my deck and a queen or two. So yeah. I agree with you. Although like the cynical side of me was like, well, I think he means in his hand, right? Uh-huh. Prince about, like, he talks about his cards like they're special, but there's four kings in every deck and four queens in every I think he's talking about my hand of cards oh. as oh. I've been dealt some good cards. i am got some weapons here. Sure. Or even just as he sees the entire deck as his. Sure. That's fine, too. I don't know. That was just my, like... Every, oh, every yeah, deck has yeah. four yeah, kings and four queens, and by the way, four aces and four jacks that are valuable too. Mm-hmm. But I see what's, it's almost like an improv line. A lot of this sounds right. like it's like written quickly yeah. and sung in a way to make it pretty, and the point gets across, but there's not a lot of time spent perfecting it or overproducing it, that kind of stuff, or like overthinking it like I do, mm-hmm. to his credit. So for a man who insisted this wasn't a comeback album, uh, he he sure did Mm -hmm. take aim at critics who gave him a hard time from 
all of Daddy Pop to oh, yeah. some of the lyrics here. It was a long time coming, but now that it's here, all the non-believers better fear me. Yeah. It was a long time coming. Like, oh yeah, he sees and hears the the chatter, right? Uh-huh. It's almost like, like he's got he's keeping receipts. He has his own bulletin board material that does slip out somehow uh-huh. here. Like you're also saying the quiet part out loud. Oh. You you are hearing the the, the criticisms or mm-hmm. I wish Prince would do this, would do that. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that. There's this is the second instance of. The contraction twas oh, uh-huh. <laughs> on a on a Prince album, uh, twas like thunder, twas a long time coming. It's not how anyone talks, but it's like this accepted way to write stories and music that is, we just kind of accept. That again, like the more I thought of it, I'm like, I'm not going to walk in. You're like, well, how was your day, Josh? Twas pretty good. <laughs> I think we should bring it back. Twas fine. I'm not doing that. <laughs> you don't want to be pretentious? No. He says, I got good and plenty cards to place on the table. I got good and plenty cards to place on the table. table. I mean, his cards, the band, are numerous and excellent. But I also thought it was kind of fun because Prince would have certainly been familiar with the controversial good and plenty candy. Oh, yeah. It's licorice flavor and very divisive. Devices so, as in you either love it or you hate it? Yes, which okay. I think maybe is him saying my music isn't for the critics. Uh, yeah, or certainly it's not for devi- everyone. It's divisive. It's not for everyone, and the critics are who it's not for. <laughs> I'm like, mm, that's kind of fun. That is some uh, sharp candy critique. Yep. Uh, he's not pretending to that he doesn't want to be the center of attention because he absolutely does. At least sometimes I want to dance and sing. Somebody watch me do my thing. Oh yeah. not even like this is a dance song or like an upbeat party song but it turns into that right Uh after that it you can like he dances we assume uh from the sound of his voice and the vamping going on there Uh a lot when you see it in the video right kind of what happens there yeah i did have a little lyric or like vocal part here that i'd never really heard before at two minutes and 35 seconds after he sings ready to whisper ready to shout ready to scream and in the background he says from the highest mountain, highest mountain top. And it is really easy to miss, but once you hear it, it sounds very ad libbed, especially the second mountain top that he kind of sings in the background under himself while he's, you know, kind of the. It is a little shouty, like the uh-huh. song shout, yeah, yeah. you know, a little bit softer now, a little bit louder uh-huh. now. Is that going on here with whisper, shout, and scream? Um, but yeah, that was my biggest, I don't know, vocal discovery on this song anyway, was uh-huh. if you had asked me, does he mention mountaintop uh-huh. and willing and able, I would have said no. no. Uh-huh. And it's very clear, especially uh-huh. in the spatial audio yeah. version of it. Very cool. 
there's a bit with a really solid kick drum, a couple of guitars, and some hand claps and finger snaps. Oh, yeah. And it's so enjoyable. It is. And there's like a little, like on repeat, it sounds like a single take of that little kind of country. Uh snippets of it that are used in different places i don't think it's ever replayed it's uh-huh. kind of looped uh-huh. in here that um you know if you just played me that little bit i'm like eh. yeah it's sort of twangy but it's really works uh-huh. and the song is like the right mood the right tempo and there's different parts of it that sound differently when they're played at different i don't know timings mm-hmm. i also did not know this is my second vocal discovery lyric discovery is rosie's little part at three minutes and 54 seconds yeah when she sings so i'm with it through let me take a bite to see if you're ripe i'm kind of thinking about then i never knew what she said but what she says is taking a hunk chunk a piece of your love tonight uh-huh. <laughs> I never realized that there was hunk chunk, hunk, hunk chunk in this song. Well, it's easy to miss because there's this kind of radio tuning yes. under Rosie's singing there. And it's a little distracting, but it settles on the Tony M rap. That yeah. Keeps so going. that was like kind of a, I don't know, a trick that Prince used a lot. It was uh-huh. on Musicology too, yeah. where you can hear him. You know, tuning the radio and hearing his own music, and that happens here for the first time. So I thought, and again, I'm coming off of 34 years of listening to the original mix. I thought that the radio being tuned was too buried because I was listening for it, and I thought it was kind of neat. And uh-huh. Tony's rap also sounds like it's coming over the radio. Also, yeah, it's almost got like it starts off with this kind of AI quality. Oh, yeah. Of like that's now what you might associate it with. Of course, that was not a thing at that point. Yeah. But it's kind of got a little bit of a almost mechanical sound. But then it gets warmer. Yeah, and I think it's just supposed to sound like it's you're yeah. listening to it on a radio. Yeah, it's a broadcast thing. Right. Uh, just happened to tune in. So. My other nitpick on the remix and the Atmos mix, and I think Tommy Barbarella is probably a very nice person, but if I were him, I'd be a little perturbed at this remaster because I feel like his awesome organ playing behind Mm -hmm. Tony's rap is super buried, where there's all this, especially in the Atmos mix, right, there's all this more... Uh, more audio space, if you will, to Mm -hmm. fill. Right. And his organ solo during the rap and even after it was one of my favorite parts of the song. And it's even pushed further back. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'd love to know what the thinking was there. I just feel like it was a much more to the fore, as they say, in the original mix. And I really missed it. Uh, during Tony's rap. Yeah. I mean, there at the end, I thought that the, you know, that kind of happy organ Mm -hmm. that was being played 
because I mostly, I did listen to the Atmos mix, but I mostly, when I was making my notes, was listening to the remastered yep. version of it. And I thought that that was really effective right there. And it was very nice under this kind of mellow delivery from mm-hmm. Tony M. And like, thank the Lord he wasn't shouting at us. I this really appreciate like it. The best, this is probably Tony's best uh, appearance yeah. in a print song anywhere. So there were there were some mellow moments like this on Gold Inn, if you mm-hmm. will. Yeah. Um, where he's front and center for you know the full album. But on a Prince album, this is like awesome use of Tony's voice. Uh-huh. He even sets it up. Like, MCT on a mellow, swing low to the uh-huh. tempo as I flow. So it's it's just it's a little unexpected because all we've heard from him is like the hype Tony. Right. And here it's this laid back thing that really fits on the song. You would think, does this song need a rap? No. Uh-huh. It does but not. It's, but it's so fun. It, it's it adds like, a lot of character uh-huh. and it adds that layer of separation between like that 70s soul music and uh-huh. here's an updated, more contemporary influence. Yeah, we're going to modernize it mm-hmm. yeah. for what was happening in the early 90s. Agreed. I think that right after his rap, Tony's mm-hmm. rap, from four minutes and 33 seconds to four minutes and 40 seconds, there's the best little uh, Tommy Barbarella organ solo on the album. X, baby. All right, and that is all that we're going to talk about today. No selections. No selections. It's like having a vacation. <laughs> um, since this is the first half of the album, when we ha- have done this in the past, we have decided we're not going to make selections on an album when we're only talking about half of it. So we'll have selections for you next time. I do want to make this graffiti bridge uh, comparison one okay. more time before we sign off that just like we're through the halfway point pretty much of the album, but the album sounds so different than graffiti bridge, but it has such a similar message to the movie. Yep. Like thunder an angel or God visited him. Daddy pop. People are going to doubt you and talk crap about you, but you have to believe in yourself. And it's like new power generation, the song from uh-huh. graffiti bridge diamonds and pearls, kind of this a little, Sappy and schmaltzy, but far more effective than the title track from Graffiti Bridge or Still Would Stand All Time, where Prince basically says, this is me, what can I do? Is it enough for you? Are you going to accept me for who I am? That comes off as like, we know you're a rich dude. Yeah. I don't know. It's easy to dismiss. And then Cream is like this self-pep talk, not an exact match, but similar to the overtones from Can't Stop This Feeling I Got, uh-huh. right? Um, I'm overtaken by my own feelings of confidence and joy in the case of can't stop stroll in with the least we can do is make a joyful sound. Like that's all we're here to do is to cheer people up and bring a smile to your face and then willing and able with the same similarities as cream to can't stop. And I can do it kind of song. It's like this positivity, but with a not as heavy of a hand as Graffiti Bridge, where it sure. all seemed really forced, like just over and over and over again. Uh huh. And somehow it's just like the stylistic differences in the songs here make it a little more easy to accept. A little palatable. A little more palatable. Yeah. Yeah. A little more. Different notes. Mainstream. Got it. Cool. Totally agree. It's like 
he went back and fixed Graffiti Bridge and, it, <laughs> and came up with Diamonds and Pearls. You're right. It's wow. the Prince Infrastructure Bill of 1991. <laughs> We're going to fix Graffiti Bridge and make it safer for everyone. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Awesome. Well... Thank you so much for listening. We know you make a choice when you listen to us. We don't just come on the radio and we really appreciate that you take your time to spend with us. Tell a friend because it's so much more fun when you can listen with a friend. Until next time, happy purple listening, friends. Make a joyful sound.